John chapter 16, and we're going to look starting at verse 5. John chapter 16, starting with verse 5. I want you as you're turning to look at your neighbor and say this after me. Neighbor, hold on. For help is on the way. Come on, somebody look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm telling you that the helper is in the house today. How many believes that? How many knows the helper's in the house today? I'm talking to some people from various walks of life who are experiencing various difficulties, challenges, and trials. And as a result, you are in need of help. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, anybody would be transparent enough and honest enough to say, Pastor, only God knows what I need today. Only God knows what I'm going through today. I want to submit to you this morning that the Spirit of God spoke into my spirit man just over a week ago, and he said, tell my people that help is on the way. You see, I came with one purpose today, and that is to introduce to you the helper. For some of you, you, you've been introduced to him, but maybe it's been years ago. So I came to reintroduce to you the divine helper. Some of you have received diagnosis. I'm telling you, healing is on the way. Some of you are bound up with addictions. I'm telling you today that deliverance is on the way. Some of you are ate up in fear and anxiety, but I'm telling you what, the supernatural peace of God is on your way. Hallelujah. I don't know what it is that you're going through. I don't know what it is that you're facing, but I come with a word from heaven to let you and I know that the helper is in the house today. He knows you by your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He's got your digits. He knows your address. And I can't promise you today that help is on the way. If you believe that, shout amen. John chapter 16 and verse 5. And these are the words of Christ himself. And he said, but now, as he was speaking to his disciples, but now I Go away to him who sent me. Speaking of the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. How many have sorrow in your heart today? Frustration. Fear. Worry. Depression, you're right where you need to be at today. Jesus was telling his disciples 
in John chapters 14, 15, and 16 that he was about to leave them, that, he, that his time of departure was at hand, that he was about to go back to be at the right hand of his father. And you must realize that all three of these chapters of chapters 14, 15, and 16 in the Gospel of John, they were given to the disciples literally moments before the very crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And in these chapters, this was the very night before he was to be given up as the ultimate sacrifice, to, to be the ultimate atonement for all of humanity. And so he began to reveal principles and revelational truths to his disciples. And he began to have this long, serious, sobering conversation detailing every step of his planned departure. You see, these were the very disciples that had left everything to walk with Jesus for nearly three and a half years. They left houses. They left land. They left their occupations. Many of them left their families to follow this Messiah, this anointed one. They had observed the miracles of Christ. They had seen the, the lame walk. They had seen the deaf ears open. They had seen the dead come back to life. They saw supernatural things that only the anointed one could do. They heard his teachings. They heard him reveal and manifest the very kingdom of God upon this earth for over three years. They gave everything. And here they are at what is commonly referred to as the Last Supper. Communing with their teacher. Communing with their Messiah. And Christ in a fashion like only he can do. He humbled himself. And he began to serve his disciples. He began to wash their feet. And he began to reveal to them again that his time of departure had come. That he was about to complete his assignment and therefore he was about to leave them. And so he began to give them final instructions and clarification on how they were to move forward in his absence. Now can you put yourself in the shoes of these original disciples. I mean, again, they had given their all for three and a half years to follow this man that the religious world rejected. They said he was a phony, that he was a counterfeit. But they knew that he was the real deal. They knew that he was the long-awaited, the promised Messiah. But after three years, Jesus is telling them that I'm about to go. I'm about to depart from this world. I'm about to leave you. Can you imagine the flood of emotions that overwhelmed these disciples? Sorrow, fear, worry, anxiety, depression, confusion. Despair, loneliness, disappointments. And the list could go on and on and on. So what did Jesus do? Jesus began to encourage 
these disciples. By enlightening them to the truth that although he was physically going to leave them, that there was one who was going to come after him. This one was referred to as the helper. He said, I'm about to go, guys. I'm about to leave you in a physical sense. But he said, there's one that is coming after me. Who I call your helper. And he's going to be with you. He's going to walk beside you. And he's going to live on the inside of you. He went on in our text. In verse 7 of John chapter 16, and he, he said this truth. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Somebody say your advantage. That I go away. Don't you know the disciples were saying, how was that to our advantage? We want you to stay here with us, Jesus. He said, but no, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you guys. It is to your advantage that I go. Because when I go, the helper is going to come. He was letting them know that I'm wrapped in flesh and blood. That I, that I can only be at one place at one time. But you see, the one that I have prepared the way for, the one that I have been the forerunner for, he is going to come on the scene after I leave this place. And he's going to be everywhere all at one time. Why? Because he is the third person of the Holy Godhead. His name is the Holy Spirit. He said he's coming. He said he's coming. He said it's to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I've come to tell you that no matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, I come to tell you no matter what the latest diagnosis is that you have received, I come to tell you no matter who walked out on you, no matter who slandered your name, no matter who rejected you, no matter who abandoned you, I come to let somebody know today that help is on the way. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I feel something on the inside of my spirit today. I feel my deliverance coming. I feel my healing coming. I feel help coming my way. If you would just look through the eyes of the Spirit and the eyes of faith, and if you gaze upon the horizon, I'm telling you there's a dove that's been released from heaven. There's a fire that's been released from heaven, and he is the Holy Spirit, and he is coming. He's riding on the wind. He's riding on the storm and he's coming to bring a help to you in your crisis, in your situation, and in your circumstance. Does anybody believe that today? Hallelujah. He said, it's to your advantage that I go because when I go, 
the helper is going to come. You see, the Greek word used here in reference to the Holy Spirit is this, parakletos. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, parakletos. So you right there almost speaking in tongues already. Parakletos. What does that Greek term mean, parakletos? It means one, listen to this, it means one who is called to one side. <laughs> I come to tell somebody I'm not alone today. The moment my foot stepped onto this platform, I want you to know the third person of the Godhead stepped on this platform. I'm telling you, the moment you leave this facilities and you get in your car and you go down the road, you're not by yourself. But I'm telling you, the paraclete is going to get in that car with you. The helper's going to get in that car with you. You say, Pastor, uh, I go home to an empty house. I go home to a dark house. Honey, you're not going home by yourself today. But when you get home, the Holy Ghost is going to walk through your front door with you. Why? Because he is the paraclete. That means that he is one that is called to your side, especially to bring you help. To bring you help. You see, the role of the Holy Spirit is all-encompassing. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. My God. Through 22 years of ministry, I've needed a counselor. Some of you, I've counseled you. But let me tell you, I promise you, when you get into full-time ministry, even the one counseling needs a counselor sometimes. And you know what I found to be true? I'm not knocking counselors. I'm not knocking, knocking therapists. But what I found to be true, the Holy Ghost can counsel you like nobody else can. And you don't have to pay him a dime. I said he's your counselor. He's your mind regulator. He's your advocate. He's your intercessor. He's your strengthener. He's the one that stands by your side. And he is your divine heavenly helper. I said his name is the Holy Ghost. Talking about help is on the way. Help is on the way. You say, Pastor, you don't know. You, you just don't understand. You don't understand the report I received. No, I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But what I do know is that the report of the Lord says, I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. And by my stripes I took on my back, you're already healed. I'm telling you what, I refuse to receive the report of man. I know the enemy's attacking in every direction. It seems like every way I turn, somebody else done got the C word. But I come to tell you what? What's greater than the C word of cancer is the C word of Christ Jesus. And he's still the way maker. He's still the healer. He's still the one who is on the throne of heaven. Hallelujah. Somebody look to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, help is on the way. Who is this helper? I said, who is this helper? He's the third person of the Godhead. And can I tell you what? Don't you refer to him as an it. 
I said he's not an it. He's not just some substance or some form. I'm telling you what, he is a person. He is God himself. I want you to know that he is the, the, he is the very representative of Jesus Christ in this world. The Holy Spirit is an optional. I find it amazing in the season of growth that we have been in for the past two years. God has sent people from all sorts of different backgrounds, different parts of this country, different denominational religious backgrounds and experiences. And I don't care what you have been taught and what has been instilled within you. It's not by coincidence that you hear right up in the middle of a move of God. It's not, it's not coincidental that you are here right up in the middle of a people that are absolutely crazy and that are influenced and intoxicated by the person of the Holy Ghost. And you've been sitting back for several weeks now and you've been looking... Your tongue's been rolling out of your mouth. Your eyes are as big as saucers. And you said, I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard anything like this. I've never felt anything like this. Let me introduce you to the helper. Let me introduce you to the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you what, we're different from a lot of other people, from a lot of other churches. Why? Because we're people of the Holy Ghost. We realized a long time ago, it's not by might nor by power but it is by the Holy Spirit of God and we're not ashamed of it. We're never going to apologize for it because we realize where our help comes from. It's the Holy Ghost and I come to tell you it don't matter what you've been taught, what's been instilled within you, the Holy Ghost, this helper, he is not an option. He is not optional. Do you hear what I said? I said he's not optional. He is not just some add-on accessory, ladies. Come on, I see some of you with your little bracelets and your necklace and your rings and all your jewelry on. Those are what we call add-on accessories. Some days you feel like looking pretty and you feel like decking yourself out. Then there's other days you don't fool with any of it. Some of y'all look so lovely today, but I bump into your Walmart and I can't even recognize some of you. But you know what? That's all right. I come to tell you just like some days you put on that add-on accessory, some days you don't fool with that add-on accessory, I come to let you know today by the power of the Word of God that the Holy Ghost, this helper, he's not just some add-on accessory that you put on on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and you get your shout on and your praise on. I'm telling you what, he's an absolute necessity. I said he's an absolute necessity. I don't want to go nowhere without the helper. I don't want to go nowhere without the Holy Ghost. I need him when I go to Walmart. I need him when I go to the workplace. I need him wherever I find myself because he is my comforter. He's my counselor. He's my advocate. He is my best friend. Some of y'all say, well, you know, so-and-so is my BFF. 
Y'all use that kind of terminology so flippantly. You want to know who my BFF is? Sister Barbara, my BFF is the Holy Ghost. Because you know what? Others have come and gone. <laughs> Others have left my side. But I want you to know from the moment at the age of 16 I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Brother Donnie, he's never left my side. I said he's never left my side, but he's been my best friend. I said he's been my best friend. He's the helper. And he's in this house today. I said he's not optional he's not one of your add on accessories the Holy Spirit is an absolute necessity can I tell you today can I help somebody Pentecost was not a suggestion I said Pentecost was not a suggestion you heard Pastor Lennon say it last Sunday I'm going to say it again and reiterate it what do you think of when you hear the term Pentecost or Pentecostal? You think of a particular church, a particular uh, denomination. Pentecost has nothing to do with the denomination. I know we have some denominations that have taken on the name of Pentecost or Pentecostal. But it is not a denomination. It is the church. It is a movement. You say, well, I'm not a Pentecostal. Well, that's your problem. Because I don't care what you associate yourself with. I said there's all sorts of different walks of life in this place. We love you all. You're all a part of God's church. If you've been washed in the red blood of Jesus Christ, you're all sons and daughters of God. But can I tell you what? Don't ever be ashamed to be referred to as a Pentecostal. What that means is that the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. That the fire and the anointing of God is on the inside of you. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Because whether you associate yourself as a Baptist, as a Presbyterian, as a Methodist, whatever you associate yourself with all of our roots can be traced back to over 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem in the upper room when there was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where the disciples had gathered on the day of Pentecost I said Pentecost is not an option why do I say that because after Jesus bled and died on the cross he went to hell and took the keys of death hell on the grave he arose again on the third day the bible says that he walked on this earth for 40 more days appeared to many different people walking through walls I mean all kinds of sci-fi stuff they brought some fish on the, on the seaside they, they was eating they was living it up then he found himself on the mountain to where he was about to make his ascension. He was fulfilling what he had just told the disciples in John chapter 17 that I'm about to go. My race is run. My assignment is complete. I'm about to go. And what did he say to the disciples? He gave them what you and I understand as what? The great commission. He said, you're going to go. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're about to go. You're going to go into all the world. And you're going to preach this gospel to every nation. You're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that not what Jesus said? Can I tell you, that ought to still be our number one mission as the church. Yeah. 
And I thank God we're a part of a church that that is our number one mission is to reach souls for the kingdom and the glory of God. But what did he go on and tell these disciples? He said, but before you go, you're going to go back to the city of Jerusalem. And you're going to go get in the upper room and you're going to tarry. See, we don't know nothing about tarrying in the church today. Because we're in such a hurry. Some of y'all, I, I see the looks you're giving me right now. Go ahead, preacher man. Sit down. Shut your mouth. You're spitting and foaming at the mouth. Let me tell you, this ain't a manifestation of demons. This is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. He told them, he said, before you go, he said, you will go back to Jerusalem. Notice it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't if, if you want to, if you have time to, if it tickles your fancy. He said, no, you're going back to Jerusalem and you're going to wait there. You're going to tarry there until you receive what? The promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? It is the Holy Spirit. It is the helper, the coming of the helper. And can I tell you what today, if the original disciples had to have the Holy Ghost, if they had to go and tarry, until the helper came before they ever opened their mouth and preached a sermon before they ever laid hands on the sick and saw them healed before they ever casted out any demons how many knows that you and I we've got to have that Pentecostal experience that Pentecostal explosion and that Pentecostal outpouring it's not a suggestion it's a commandment. Why would we want to live life or do ministry without the helper? That's why the church in the Western world is in the mess that she's in. Because we've done it long enough without the helper. Why would we need the helper if there weren't going to be times and seasons of great challenges and difficulties in which help would be needed? I'm talking about helpers on the way. I'm talking about there's a helper in the house. Why would we need this helper if there wasn't going to be seasons of great challenges and difficulties? See, I'm messing up some of your, your thought process already because you've been indoctrinated with a lie that'll tell you that you just go ahead and say the sinner's prayer, confess with your mouth, and everything's just going to be peaches and cream in your life. You're never going to have one more problem. You're never going to have one more circumstance. How many can say, well, that's, that's been my case since I met Jesus. I don't see nobody standing up. I don't see nobody shouting me down right now. You know what I found to be true, Sister Robin? That when I really sold out and surrendered to God... I become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And a bullseye was put on my back. And can I tell you, for 20-something years, the devil has been seeking to destroy, seeking to kill, seeking to steal. But I want you to know, let him huff, let him puff, but he will not blow this house down. You didn't hear what I said. I said let him huff and let him puff, but he will not blow this house down. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God.
I said, it's not a suggestion. I said, it's a commandment. And, and this whole business, you know, that we, we try to encourage one another with. How many has ever been told this? When you're going through hell as a believer, well, God won't put more on you than you can bear. How many has ever said that to somebody? Come on, be honest. How many has ever heard that said to you? Show me the book, the chapter, and the verse that states that. It ain't there. You know what I found to be true? Oftentimes, not that God sends it, not that God manufactures it, not that God does it, but oftentimes God will allow situations in our life that will nearly crush us. That will nearly destroy us. That will be unbearable. You want to know why? Because he wants to get you to a place of maturity that you are totally reliant on the helper. That you are totally reliant on the third person of the Godhead who will be everything he said he will be. I'm telling you what, if we didn't need the helper, why is life not just easy peasy? Without challenges, without difficulties. You say, well, oh, that, uh, 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 let me tell you something. God, you mark my words down. God would allow things in your life that will seem unbearable. Why? Because he wants your attention back on what it needs to be on. And that is the helper. That is the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. How in fact does the Holy Spirit help us? How, in fact, does the Holy Spirit help us? I'm going to give you several things today of what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to help you. Number one, the helper will be your comfort, and he will be your companion. Did you hear what I said? I said the helper will be your comfort, and he will be your companion. Back up with me to John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. And it says this. Jesus said, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you, the King James Version says, another comforter. That he may abide with you for how long? Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. You see, this is a sure sign that the helper is going to be your comforter. We wouldn't need a comforter if we were not going to be called into uncomfortable situations. Did you hear what I said? I said the very fact that the helper, the Holy Spirit is identified as the comforter is a sure sign that at some point in your life, at some season in your life, that God is going to call you to step into uncharted territory. 
to step into uncomfortable situations. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I just I, I, I like to be in my comfort zone. Let me tell you, you'll never do anything for God if you remain in your place of comfort. Every time God began to change a season in my life, every time God began to use me in a greater way, it required me to step out of a place of comfort into a place of uncomfort, to step out of a place of familiarity into a place of unfamiliarity. How many knows what I'm talking about? He said, I will be your comforter. You wouldn't need him as a comforter. If you wasn't going to find yourself in the uncomfortable situations. Let me tell you what else this comforter will do. This comforter will comfort the afflicted. We've all been afflicted, right, from time to time. How many has found them to be a comforter in your moments of affliction? But how many knows if you flip the script, what the comforter will also do? The comforter will also afflict the comfortable. Did you hear what I said? I said he will comfort the afflicted. Thank God for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But he will also afflict the comfortable. And can I tell you that's exactly what has been happening in the church world around the globe since 2020 when this global pandemic broke out all over the place. Let me tell you the Holy Spirit has been afflicting the comfortable. He's been trying to wake up the sleeping giant of the church, of the bride of Christ to get us to step back up and to be the people that God has called us to be. I said the comforter will afflict the comfortable. He will be your companion. He will be your confidant. He will be your best friend. He will fill every void and every empty place. He will give you a sense of belonging. And is that not what all of us are after today? We want a sense of community. We want a sense of family. We want a sense of, of belonging to something or to someone. Let me tell you what. The Holy Spirit will be your companion. I said he will be your confidant. He will be your best friend. He will be the one that will walk beside you through the valley of the shadow of death. He'll be the one that will live on the inside of you when nobody wants anything to do with you. I said the helper is your comfort and he is your companion. Number two, the helper is the one who convicts. And he is the one who purifies. John chapter 16 verse 8 says it like this. And when he has come, speaking of a helper, when he has come, what will he do? He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I said the helper will be the one who convicts and he will be the one who purifies. You say, I don't like conviction. Conviction makes me feel uncomfortable. Let me tell you, a lot of us felt uncomfortable last week, right? We preached on the backward generation. Pastor Landon, I mean, he did a phenomenal job. He told it like it was, right? I think about every one of us left with our tail in between our legs. That's all right because conviction is good for us. You see, there's a problem when every time you go to the sanctified house of God that you leave just feeling like butterflies and, you know, oh, I'm on top of the world. Let me tell you what will do us all good is a good dose of truth. 
a good dose of conviction. You see, if you living in sin, if you dabbling in sin, you don't need me to pat you on the back and say, oh, it's going to be all right. God understands you and he understands your situation. No, you need for a man and a woman of God that'll kick you right in the tail and tell you that it's still heaven or hell. You need to make up your mind on which one you want to go to. You see, your blood's not going to be on my hands. It's not going to be on Pastor Steve's hand or Pastor Landon's hand. We don't want your blood on our hands. We want to tell you the truth in love. You say, well, oh, you just have to accept it. You just have to do this. Let me tell you, if I really love you, I'm not going to accept your lifestyle of sin. But if I really love you, I'm going to tell you, you know what? You're going in the wrong direction. And if you don't repent of that lifestyle, it's going to take you straight to hell. That's what love does. I said the helper convicts. He convicts us of our sin. Not to shame us, not to degrade us, but to cause us to repent and to get back right with our Creator. He convicts and He purifies. Can I tell you, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that if you will walk in the Spirit, if you walk in the Helper, that you will not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. You see, even in the church, we got too much flesh. Did you hear what I said? I said, even in the church, we got too much flesh. We, we've developed a mindset and a mentality. Well, how much can I do and still go to heaven? You see, I'm not looking at how much I can play around with the devil and still make it to heaven. I want to know how much can I do to hear the words, Well done, my good and thy faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. I said he is not only our convictor, but he is our purifier. And I want you to know the Bible still says that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. He is the one who sanctifies. He is the one who purifies. He is the one who sets us apart. See, nobody wants to shout on that one. But he's the purifier. Come on, you know what we need in the church today? We need some purification. We've been diluting the holy things with God with the things of the world, with the lust of the flesh, with the lust of the eyes, with the pride of life. Let me tell you, the helper will purify you. He will sanctify you. And yes, he will convict you. Number three, how does the helper help us? He will be your teacher. And he will be your guide. I'm not knocking education today. I went to Bible school, Bible college. I've completed that. I'm working on my master's of theology. I'm not knocking education. But can I tell you who is the greatest teacher? It's the Holy Ghost. Did he not say he would be your teacher? I said the helper will be your teacher how do I know that? Because John chapter 14 verse 26 says this, but the helper who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will what? He will teach you. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said unto you. He will be your teacher. 
The greatest thing that you can do is to carve out a time in your busy schedule to sit before the feet of the Lord. To open up this word, to knock the dust off of it, and to open up this word and to say, God, reveal yourself to me. Reveal your word to me. Let me tell you, this right here is living. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will radically change your life. And if you will read this under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it will do things for you that no other textbook can do for you. I said the Holy Spirit, the helper, will be your teacher, and he will be your guide. He will order your steps. Number four, what will the helper do? He will be your intercessor, and he will be your advocate. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 says this, Likewise, the Spirit, the helper, also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, the helper himself, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I said the helper will be your intercessor and he will be your advocate. You say, well, pastor, nobody's praying for me. I pray for everybody else. I intercede for everybody else. I stand in the gap for everybody else. But who's praying for me? Let me tell you who's praying for you. The helper. The Holy Ghost. The third person of the Godhead. Is that not what Romans just tells us? He said he is your intercessor. And he, he will pray for you and he will pray through you. And can I tell you what? The Holy Ghost has a hotline to heaven. He knows what you need more than you know what you need. And when the Holy Ghost begins to pray and he begins to intercede, let me tell you, he has saved you from car accidents that you didn't even know you was about to get into. He saved you from diagnoses that you didn't even know was about to be spoken over your life. He saved you from relational distress that you didn't even know you was about to go through. I've said the helper will be your intercessor. He will pray for you and he will pray through you. How many has ever been in a season of your life you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed until you couldn't pray no more? You didn't have the English words in your vocabulary to pray or to put a sentence together any longer. And all of a sudden, you felt something on the inside of you. And let me tell you, what you felt was the helper. What you felt was the intercessor. And he began to not only pray for you, but he began to pray through you. Can I tell you, I still believe in praying in my prayer language. I still believe in praying in the Holy Ghost. If you hadn't learned that secret yet, you're missing out on something. I'm telling you what, I've seen God move when I stopped praying in English and I began to pray in another tongue that I didn't even know anything about. It's called praying in the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I ain't heard that one. That's the problem because we stopped preaching that and we stopped teaching that. 
You know what we still believe around here? We believe in another experience after the salvation experience that's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. And the initial evidence of that baptism is you speak in another tongue. I want you to know it looks foolish. It sounds crazy. But I promise you it works. It's the intercessor that is praying in you and praying through you. And when the intercessor, the helper, the Holy Ghost begins to pray through you, it'll move mountains. It'll heal cancer. It'll bring deliverance to the meth head, to the harlot, to the homosexual, and to the Pharisee. It's the power of the helper and of the Holy Spirit. Notice I said he's your intercessor and he's your advocate. What does it mean to be your advocate? He's your defender. Did you hear what I said? I said he's your defender. He's the one that's got your back when other people have stabbed you in the back. Come on, how, how, many, how many people's ever been in a place in their life no matter how, how well you try to do, no matter what you try to do, no matter how many good deeds you try to do, you always being misunderstood, you always being lied on, you always being talked about, you always being gossiped about. Honey, that's all right. Let them talk. Let them gossip. Let them slander your name because I got a helper. And he said, I'll be your defender. He said, when they're talking about you behind closed doors and you don't even know nothing about it, I want you to know that this helper will defend your name he'll defend your character he'll defend your integrity I said he's your advocate he's your defender he knows the truth and that's all that matters let me help somebody to get free today stop trying to vindicate yourself you say pastor you don't know what they did to me you don't know how they lied on me. You don't know how they cheated on me. No, I don't. But stop trying to vindicate yourself. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. You didn't hear what I said. I said vengeance belongs to the Lord. It's not your fight. It's not your battle. Lay down your sword and let the helper fight for you. I said he's your helper. He's your advocate. He will defend you and he will vindicate you. Number five, what will the helper do? Listen to this. He is your liberator. Somebody say, he's my liberator. What does he liberate us from? From the bondages of the flesh and from the bondages of religion. Did you hear what I said? I said, what will this helper do for you? He will liberate you from the bondages of the flesh and from the bondages of religion. Pastor Landon quoted it a while ago. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 still says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is liberty. There is freedom. This helper is your liberator. He will set you free from the works of the flesh, and he'll set you free from the works of religion. I'm telling you what Jennifer, what the alabaster has to maintain and what they have. I thank God for a 12 step program but let me tell you what works when nothing else works and that is the helper. That is the Holy Ghost and as long as we create an atmosphere for the helper and for the Holy Ghost, there's not a bondage, there's not an addiction that can stay in your life. 
Not only will he liberate you from the bondages of the flesh, but I said he'll deliver you and liberate you from the bondage of religion. You know what I have seen bind the people more than I've seen drugs and alcohol, sexual perversion? What is a greater bondage? It is the bondage of religion. Can I tell you, religion won't take you there. Religion won't get you there. Religion will keep you bound up. Religion, matter of fact, there's going to be a lot of religious people in hell. I must go ahead and say it. There's going to be a lot of church members that's going to go to hell. When we, I, I, I'm a firm believer that when we cross from this life into eternity, some of us that make it to heaven, we're going to be shocked at who actually made it with us. Because we done marked them off a long time ago. We done, we done condemned them to hell a long time ago. But guess what? They made it. And some of those that we just knew was going to make it, they're not going to make it and they're going to go to hell. Because let me tell you, religion will not save you. Religion will keep you in bondage. But the helper will liberate you from the bondages of the flesh and from the bondages of religion. Can I tell you all we need is an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost in this place. It'll set you free from your opinions. It'll set you free from your preferences. It'll set you free from your mindsets. It'll set you free from everything that's ever been indoctrinated on the inside of you. And it'll cause you to walk in freedom and in liberty. Why? Because the helper is our liberator. Number six, I'm about to land this thing. The helper is the spirit of truth and the spirit of discernment. Did you hear what I said? I said the helper is the spirit of truth and he is the spirit of discernment. John chapter 16 verse 13 says this. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. This helper is the spirit of truth. We're living in a culture, in a society that'll tell you that there is no black and white. That'll tell you that there are no absolute truths. That'll tell you that your truth is truth. But I come to dispute that and to let you know that if your quote-unquote truth is not this truth, then your truth is a counterfeit and it is a lie. I said the helper is the spirit of truth and the helper will not go against the very words of God. He is the spirit of truth and he is the spirit of discernment. Can I tell you if there's ever been a time where we needed to operate in the spirit of truth and in the spirit of discernment, it is right now. There is a whole generation of people that are relying on us to tell them the truth. I know some of them call us bigots. Some of them call us hateful. Some of them call us brainwashed. Let me tell you, I have been brainwashed and I've been brainwashed by this truth right here. I've been brainwashed by the anointing of the helper, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and that's all right. But there are a people that's looking for truth. You see, my Bible still says that in those days, if you're not careful, the very elect will be deceived. The Bible says in those days they will develop itching ears and they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Can I tell you we're living there right now? 
Church, I'm sounding the alarm. We're living there right now. Well, the Spirit of God, the helper, is the Spirit of discernment. He will give you discernment as to what is pure and what is impure, as to what is holy and what is unholy, as to what is righteous and what is unrighteous. He is the Spirit of truth, and He is the Spirit of discernment. The helper, how would He help us? He is the giver of gifts. And he is the producer of fruits. Did you hear what I said? I said he is the giver of gifts. And he is the producer of fruits. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I said the Holy Spirit, the helper, is the giver of gifts. Where are the gifts? Where are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Where are the words of prophecy? Where are the words of wisdom? Where are the words of knowledge? Where are the words of understanding? Where are the tongues and the interpretation of tongues? Where are um, the miracles? Where are the signs? Where are the wonders? Where are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We ought to see a manifestation of all of them in this body of believers. But can I tell you what? We will never walk in the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit until we learn to allow this helper to produce the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of us. What am I saying to you today? You can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if you do not have love, you're nothing more than a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You're nothing more than a noise and a nuisance. If you do not operate everything that you do, whether it's prophecy, whether it's words of wisdom and knowledge whether it's discernment whatever you do if it's not motivated in love it's nothing it's absolutely nothing I said the helper is the giver of gifts we need the gifts back in operation but it will not work until we allow him to produce the fruits of the spirit in our life you see the devil doesn't care how much you speak in tongues as long as he can get you hating your neighbor. As long as he can get you to be prejudiced against that one that doesn't look like you. He doesn't care how much you prophesy. As long as he can get you full of resentment and bitterness. I said he's a giver of gifts. He's the producer of fruits. And I close with this one. Stand to your feet all over this place. What does this helper do? He is our anointing. And he is our source of power. What does this helper do? Who is he? He is our anointing. And he is our power. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all were her oppressed by the devil for God was with him Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 he said the spirit of the Lord of the helper is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Can I tell you today, church, there's no substitute for the anointing. Set free praise. We honor you. But more than your talent and your gift, we honor the anointing of the helper that is upon you. How many loves this team of musicians and worshipers that take us in to the holy place every week? Let me tell you, as gifted as they are, as talented as they are, it's not the gifting and it's not the talent, but it's the anointing of the helper. I said, he is our anointing, and he is our power. Can I tell you what breaks the yoke of addiction, what breaks the yoke of bondage, what destroys it? It is the anointing of the helper. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples in closing, right before he ascended back, I said it a moment ago, he said, before you go, before you expand my kingdom, before you preach this gospel, before you lay hands on the sick and you cast out demons, he said, you're going back to Jerusalem and you're going to tarry there until you receive the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. He said, but you shall receive what? Power. Power. Somebody say it with me. You shall receive what? Power. When who comes upon you? The helper. The Holy Spirit. And you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my preachers, my teachers. You shall be my hands and my feet. You shall be my prophetic voice. When the helper comes upon you. Church, I don't know about you, but I need the helper of my life. I need the Holy Spirit in my life set free. May we never take this anointing and this power for granted that has settled on this place, that has settled on this ministry, because I promise you, God can remove it. But everything that we do, every success that we've had, every victory that we've won, it's only because of the anointing and the power of the helper. And right now we yield to him. We yield to the helper. We yield to the Holy Spirit. For he is the anointing. He is the power. If you're here in this place as this team is about to usher us in one more time. And you've heard this simple message. Help is on the way. The helper is in the house. If you're going through a challenging time, a challenging season in your life, this word is for you today. It was just a reintroduction of who the helper is and who he wants to be in your life. If you need anything from God, will you come and join me in this altar? Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is, I don't care how small or how minute or how large it might be. It may be a diagnosis. It might be a marital problem. It might be rebellious children, grandchildren. 
It might be financial hardships. Whatever it is, will you come and join me in this altar?